You're listening to Our Space with Matt Batiste. Scrolling through your Instagram feed, you're going to come across a lot of different artists of all kind. But there's one that came across my feed a couple years ago, actually, that really stood out to me because I hadn't seen anything like it before. Uh, Jonathan Mazeltov, you create a whole new universe in your art, and it's all based on emo songs. So thank you so much for joining the Our Space podcast this week. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. Where did you get the idea for your art? <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty broad question, but in general, I try to base everything off of photos. So I have an archive of, I mean, over a decade of photos at this point. So during the pandemic, a lot of my, basically the only thing I had access to was archives of photos. So that's how the more collage oriented stuff came to be. So you kind of had all of these photos, you kind of worked around them and created art with these photos and then sort of added the music song, like the music afterwards. Totally. It, It was kind of more, it was more of like, I would just be listening to music whenever I was making stuff. And then that led to creating a certain atmosphere. And then now fast forward, it's kind of become more of a retroactive thing where I can have somebody suggest something and then work based off that. Oh, okay. That's actually really cool. I kind of thought that it was the other way around because your art and the world that you sort of create within your photos and your editing, it just goes so well with the songs thank that you. you choose. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it, it's, I mean, I won't, it, it really depends. Sometimes I'll have a piece that just already is exactly what I want it to be for a certain song, or sometimes it'll take a lot of listening to a certain track and then pairing a visual to that. When did that shift sort of happen where you went from like, okay, looking through old photo archives and find a song to pair with it to, you know, oh, hey, I have this song and we can piece together a cool art piece of artwork for it. Yeah, a lot of a lot of that shift, I guess, more so happened as I tried to scale it kind of to be able to create more pieces because then it became a matter of. I had drafts dating back to, I mean, 2010s. And then I had stuff that I had made more recently. And a lot of that was just seeing what paired well with certain lyrics or what paired well with a certain atmosphere that album has, or even pulling ideas from the album art itself. And now you're having, you you have a bunch of people that are coming to you for customs. Do you ever find um, that, that gets exciting sort of like trying to think of how you're going to work in what they want into it. Is that like, is it a challenge for you? At this, at this point, I wouldn't so much say it's a challenge as it is. It's definitely one of the projects I enjoy making the most, just because everybody who reaches out to me, like first and foremost, if they're a fan of what I already make it, it, the pairing just makes sense. And they're very accommodating to my process and the time that I take. And a lot of times I ask for inspiration from pieces that I've done in the past. So it kind of creates that sweet spot of they're familiar with my work and want me to create what I'm familiar with and enjoy making. Have you ever uh, been asked to do a custom from maybe a band or a song that you've never heard before? I have. And there was a point in time when I was first freelancing more that I would take on projects, just kind of wide range. But now I find that the best intersection of client 
relationship with myself is if I also enjoy and personally connect with the song. So I'm very forthright with somebody reaches out to me for a song that I'm not familiar with or don't necessarily connect with that artist as much. I'll let them know. I feel like it would also be a cool opportunity if they like your other stuff and they like, you know, your art to sort of like discover a new artist that way. Have you ever discovered someone like that? Maybe not necessarily discovered, but definitely made pieces that kind of stepped out of the aesthetic that I would typically gravitate towards because it was an artist that I might not listen to as much. Do you have a favorite piece that you've made? I have. So it's probably not too dissimilar to a band talking about their favorite songs, but some of my, I have my favorite pieces that people have seen to enjoy the most. And then I have kind of more deep down pieces that visually I think are the most interesting or really like took a lot of time and maybe don't have as much traction to them because they are a bit more like intricate or have a lot of visual elements going on. Um, One that stands out is I did it, it, it was actually a piece inspired by a song. It was by a World is a Beautiful Place song. And it was the opener on their album, Harmlessness. And it's a very kind of surreal, just open field that has a bunch of flower people kind of flocking to the center point. I really love that piece a lot. Um, did that a couple months ago. Is there a piece that's stands out the most popular when people come to you for inspiration that other yeah. people tend to love which piece totally. is that yeah a lot of t- well a lot of times it would be anything that has like waterfalls or like very kind of intense nature driven elements like there's one i think i shared it again recently but it was like a turnover piece that's like a cascading waterfall in this kind of sh- foggy street scene that was one of the first it was not only one of the first designs that I think I posted that really got traction, but it was also the first design I ever animated as well. So that was kind of like a, a intersection of both animating a piece that already was very meaningful to me, but also people gravitating to the visuals of it. Yeah, what sort of gave you that idea to take these pieces and, and animate them? Because I really like the effects and the aesthetics of them in video form. Thank you. Yeah, it... It was so much of the things that I've created over the past several years was as a result of some sort of limitation, whether it was having to stay inside and revisit old photo archives or with the video, it was because of Instagram and TikTok shifting to video centered content. I I wanted to find a way to piece in the visuals that I already was making in photo form, but have it feel organic if I were to put it into like an intercut video I didn't want it to just be a still photo so that was kind of how that came to be you started in 2020 correct yeah that that was when that was when I started sharing more video or maybe even 21 I for a long time I put off getting on TikTok I didn't even have an account or making video centered stuff because it's I mean it's daunting especially Mm -hmm. because I've been shooting photos for, I mean, over a decade at this point, it was like, I was so accustomed to sharing photos in the format that is a scroller or just like a more classic Instagram format that when video became so popular, my number one goal was like, how do I make something that still feels authentic without, without it kind of compromising what I enjoy making, which is art pieces or taking photos. Did you find that to be really daunting sort of 
switching over into video? Like, was oh, there a yeah. part of you that was like, I really don't want to do this, but I feel like I have to? Undoubtedly put it off as long as I possibly could. And then now I'm thankful to have formats that I really enjoy making. But it, it took a lot of, I mean, it was a lot of iteration and a lot of honestly just watching other people's videos and seeing what things I personally connected with that felt still authentic to what they were creating. Because there's a lot of, there can be a lot of inauthenticity, but it, there's people who create, I think, great content as well. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be a grab at something sensationalized. Are you doing this full time now? Yeah, I've been, so I, I started doing art stuff full time in 2021. Cause I was, I, I had barista full time for a while beforehand. And then during the pandemic was not actively working. So collage art became more of a my day-to-day and then i went back to baristing for a bit and then just became busy with projects more more so at the time was um doing album arts and promo work for bands and then now has transitioned to more print based work how do you find the um i guess time management between keeping up with the socials and also doing all of the artwork because your artwork stuff i'm sure has a lot of work that goes into it. And then, you know, the social media kind of goes hand in hand with the actual making it a business and and getting your art out there to to sell it, right? Do you find uh, it's hard to juggle between creating both your art and social media, which is an art in and of itself? Sure. Yeah, that's, that's definitely the, I mean, that's the age old question. I think for me, number one goal even when I did start making more video content was how do I make stuff that is like content, but also the stuff that I enjoy making and not having it be two separate things. So most of the time what I'm sharing, the the keeping up with the social media part is definitely like very time consuming and it's a job in it of itself, as I'm sure you can also attest to, it takes a lot of time to, not only just come up with what you're going to share, but also like constructing a narrative around it and doing whatever research, if it's figuring out bands to share, et cetera, it like takes a lot of time. So my number one thing was like, how do I make the art that I'm already making the majority of what the content ends up being? So like in the case of doing a vinyl format video, it's like the hard part is making the piece and then kind of creating this, uh, animated version. And then the slightly easier, more fun part is like creating the kind of narrative around playing record. Yeah. Because I also feel like your videos are an art form in and of themselves. Like you kind of bring us into the world of your art through that video. And then it's mm-hmm. like, Oh, Hey, we also have this still print that you can actually buy and put up on your sure. walls. It's also really cool. Like it's the same art, but also different at the same right. time. If that makes yeah. sense. No, thank you. I, I mean, that's, that's definitely by design and it is, I'm just thankful that it's a format that I enjoy doing and something that people seem to connect with because also for a long time, it was a lot of creating different formats and testing different ideas and seeing what worked. And even some of the things that seem to work now for a long time didn't. So it's just, it's really like a lot of small iterations to get to a point to where it's like, okay, this format feels good. I'm proud of the art that I'm making and, and then the third part of people connecting with it. 
Yeah, and I guess experimenting to find out what works for you, that seems to be the okay. hardest part for a lot of creators. Um, do you have a favorite band when you're going through with your with your artwork to sort of go back to with their lyrics? Like, is there one band that you've sort of done more than others? Sure. Yeah, it feels, it feels a bit cliche, but I, I do get a lot of requests for The Wonder Years just because, I mean, their lyrics are very both visual and also I think they do a good job of structuring lyrics in a way that break up well. Cause sometimes what I'll find is there'll be a lyric that I might really enjoy or somebody might request for a piece. But I think that the sweet spot is something that visually sits well in a piece without it feeling like you're reading a novel that's on a photo because that, that can kind of like detract from the overall feeling of the scene yeah, to throw up like a whole chorus right. in, in words, it, it gets too wordy. I mean, I love a good chorus, but I try, I, I really try to make the, whatever the phrase or the line be kind of like a subject in mm-hmm. the photo. I treat it as though it would be another person in the frame. So sometimes the more wordy kind of long phrases can clutter the scene a bit. So it's like the Wonder Years has that sweet spot of like very punchy and also kind of short phrases that create like one-liners in a sense. Um, Definitely title fight is another one because they just don't, a lot of their songs, especially like shed error are not super wordy, but everything that is said on the songs feels very purposeful. So that's kind of like another sweet spot. There's so many artists or songs where I've been like, you know, oh, this would be a cool piece of art or, but then it's ends up being the whole chorus because you're like, oh, well, like, how do you figure out what part of though that chorus or that line or that part of that impactful part of the song, what part do you want to actually remove? Right? Sure. You, you also run into another thing that I've run into is trying to not only is it fitting it into a scene, like you mentioned, but also having it actually correlate to a scene. Because sometimes you'll have a line that feels like it could work well, but it doesn't, it, it kind of feels like out of place visually in the scene because the line either is referencing something that's not at all present in the like given scene or it just like doesn't sit right at the end. So it's like a lot of parsing through songs and figuring out what line works well or what kind of space as well into the scene. Do you ever get any customs where you're like, Ooh, I actually like this so much that I want to sort of put it out there to everyone. Yeah, I've done. So it's like such a, with customs, it's such a cash 22 for that reason is I don't really know until I'm like pretty deep into working on it, which I'm also stoked that the people who do commission me for customs are so excited about the pieces that they get. Cause that's, I mean, that's, what's important. Like a lot of, building up a foundation of being able to freelance and being able to do more print releases was people getting custom pieces when it was hard to even get people to care about the art that I was making outside of that. So it's kind of like, I always like to treat those with extra care just because, I mean, that's like kind of the foundation of me being able to do everything else that I make. Yeah. Cause I've always wondered like, what if there's a piece that, you know, other people are like, Hey, I, I love that custom. Oh, I want happens. one too. <laughs> sure. It happens literally all the time, probably more than you would expect. But I think fortunately a lot of the people who do reach out like that end up being either clients or looking out for other print releases that I make. 
and I try to hit a sweet spot of pieces that people request as wide releases, but then also keeping some as um, commissions. Because like if you did a commission and say someone else wanted that same song or that same line, would you just do a different piece of artwork with sure. that line for them? Or is it just sort of like, I've done this song, it was a one for one and that's it? Yeah, that's a good question. I try, I really try to parse through songs because I mean, even in a three minute song, there's like so much meaning that can be derived from whether it's the chorus or even sometimes like, especially in emo, the bridge is like kind of the climax of the song too. So there's been times where somebody will request the same song and then I love kind of revisiting it and finding other lyrics that could work in a scene. But also I try to, when I'm having a back and forth with somebody to decide on a song or decide on an artist that they especially connect with, I generally try to look for albums that they connect with because I think an album is a more kind of full picture that I can pull from versus specifically one line in one song. I think that if there's certain albums that people especially resonate with, it makes it, easier on my part to kind of pull visuals and pull certain quotes from various tracks or see what works best uh, with what I'm working on visually. Yeah. It gives you sort of a broader spectrum. Totally. With that. Um, So you had a really big 2023, like a really big 2023 Um, hot mulligan and free throw both had you working Uh on some artwork for their releases. How did that come to be in I think it was maybe closer to fall of 2022 uh, or maybe even early 22 now that I'm thinking about it, but somewhere within 2022, I had worked on uh, the single art for drink milk and run. And that was just, I think I had made some sort of post or had made a design based on another band. And then uh, Chris from hot Mulligan had reached out to me if I would make, a hot mulligan based piece. And I, I think I had already made one at the time, or maybe he had seen it um, kind of tangentially. And then he reached out to me to do the single art for drink milk and run, which is probably also one of my favorite pieces that I've done. That was a really fun kind of both visually art that I'm proud of. And also they were just stoked on the direction for it. And it's a great song. So it was kind of like a perfect meld of everything. And then in 23, we released a printed version of that art because especially since it was a single, I mean, somewhat selfishly, I also wanted a printed version of it because I knew it wasn't going to get like a vinyl release. So it was kind of like a nice transition to be able to take it from being just single form to a printed version. I remember seeing that the second I saw the artwork, I was like, oh, okay, that's Jonathan. Like, I know, I know that artwork. Yeah, uh, that was that was the craziest part, honestly, was people tagging me before it had even come out. Like, because some, whether it's in a different country, getting it early because the streaming is going live or even just before it was getting an official announcement. It was really cool to get people tagging me. And how did the free throw uh, album artwork come to be? So that was, I mean, I think it was maybe May of last year. It was genuinely out of the blue. Like just got an Instagram message from their manager and was like, hey, they are finishing up an album. It was before Lessons had even been fully finalized and they had reached out if I was interested and I think it might've been specifically Corey from free throw had um, mentioned really enjoying my art and I'd made a free throw piece before. So I don't know if it was 
through them seeing that or otherwise. And yeah, they were, they were really great to work with just being very trusting of kind of the idea that I had for tying in the visuals to both the lyrics and also the themes that they were going for on the album. But a lot of it came together, I think over the course of maybe less than a month. So it was really quick turnaround between them getting the final version of the record, me hearing the record and then me making the art. Do you have any other artists that you're sort of working with right now or anything that is sort of on the go? You don't need to mention any names if there's anything that's sort of confidential, but I've done a few smaller pieces. I think this year, my goal has definitely been to focus more on doing um, wider print releases because as fun as it is working with bands, I've kind of tried to scale back to working with bands that I especially enjoy and that are trusting of kind of my process and that there's this kind of mutual appreciation for them valuing my art in the same way that I would value their art. So it's kind of, it can be very kind of daunting to go into working a working relationship with a band where that's not as established because it's like with any sort of client relationship, there's a lot of like give and take. So finding those bands that genuinely want me to create the art that I most enjoy creating is kind of that sweet spot. So for this year, I just have plans to do more of uh, the print releases and just what I enjoy doing kind of unencumbered. I guess you've gotten to that point now, right? Where you can sort of be picky with doing what you really love. And and I mean, as an artist, I'm sure that's what the best work, that's where the best work comes from, right? right? I also, I mean, I, I aim to make it as candid as possible. I never want, I never want any like smoke and mirrors like, oh, you work with me and actually you're not going to get what I typically do. It's like, I want it to be some, I want somebody to work with me because they so genuinely enjoy what I make. And I don't want to trick somebody into working with me or have it be some sort of like animosity because they have a vision and then what I create is just different from that. Yeah, you want to stay on brand with what you do and you want to work with people that are a fan of you just the same way you're a fan of them, right? Like, sure. And I think that's a reasonable sort of expectation, especially with that, with where you're at right now. Um, do you have a band that you really sort of do want to work with and you're kind of hoping one day you wake up and you get that DM and you're like, hey, yeah, I, I want to work with you definitely. Mm-hmm. Man, there's, I mean, there's definitely, there's so many. Um, none, none specifically come to mind off the top of my head, but I think, like I said, that if there is a band that I enjoy, because I, I mean, I listen to a pretty wide spectrum of music, but especially like obviously some of the newer emo bands, if basically any emo band that I authentically enjoy reaches out to me and is down for me to make what I most enjoy creating, then I think that that's like, would be sick regard. I mean, there's like probably 20 bands that would fall under that category. (laughs) Um, I think one, one that I'm kind of like loosely associated with and I've made pieces based on before is like Foxing. It's been a band that I've really enjoyed for a long time. If they had some sort of visual work that they wanted done, I would, I would love to work with them on that. work with them officially yeah that would be awesome yeah i just think that they strike the sweet spot of a band that is constantly evolving and very authentic to who they are and that's that's like really hard to find and they are i mean a band that i've enjoyed for 
years at this point, like from having seen them almost a decade ago to even seeing them more recently and just how they've evolved too. So there's definitely something admirable about bands that have been doing it for so long that continue to create um, interesting and special releases. Also, can I just say that your record collection is incredibly impressive? Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, a lot of a lot of people ask about getting into collecting. That's like probably one of the more common questions I get outside of art related questions. And it's kind of yeah, I, I was thinking about how I got into collecting. And it's kind of a funny retrospective, which is there was a point during kind of 2014, 2015, where I was going to shows literally all the time, maybe on a daily basis, because there was a local venue that I would just go hang out at and then go see whatever show was happening. And a lot of times the bands, especially of that era, now it's more of a focus, but had kind of lackluster merch. So instead of, because I wanted to support the band instead of picking up a shirt that I didn't necessarily care for or didn't think I would wear, I always would just gravitate to buying a record. Like if they had a record, I would just buy a record. So a lot of my collection at this point is stuff that I've collected from years of seeing bands play. A lot of them are probably some smaller bands too, right? Because totally. I, I know like I just upgraded mine, my, um, my storage shelf there to one of the four cube um shelves from ikea and i'm like sure. oh look at all this space that i have now That's for awesome. new records yeah i always i mean it's not I, the more i've collected records and the more that i've gone into different genres of music and more bands it's like definitely not a race there's no like expectation no. of having a certain amount of records or that there's more value in having more records it's like if there's something that you enjoy it's cool to pick it up especially because i mean physical media is just it's so cool. I, I love it both from a design standpoint and the obviously more the ritual of putting on a record and listening to it. Recently, I've been collecting more tapes. So it, it's just it's just fun to collect things, especially if it's something like music where it's like the shared appreciation of both enjoying listening to it, but also enjoying to look at it. Yeah, I'm a big fan of physical media and physical um, music as well. I, I was collecting CDs before I had um, sure. built up the record collection and then they lost all of those in the in a flood. So that was oh, no. uh, heartbreaking. But I mean, records are cooler. Records are more fun. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, <laughs> I, I constant, I mean, living in Texas, we get some pretty serious floods. So I like always am very conscious of having like some sort of like escape plan or something because it's like, yeah, I mean, any sort of physical media is, like, daunting for that reason. I'm just mad that there's so many CDs that I had for, that, like, you can't even find anymore on streaming sure. services or, like, YouTube from, like, even my high school years of uh, different bands that I was listening to back then. Like, you looking back, I'm like, these were just high school kids making records and I had totally. their CDs. And, like, they were actually totally. making really good music, but they didn't go anywhere because they were high school kids, right? Right. And then they all went to college and got real jobs and the band broke up. And, you know, that happens so many times times but uh so now there's so many of that there's so many of those cds that are now lost uh my record collection though is slowly starting to build and i feel like the only way you can get a record collection like that is just sort of over time slowly building and buying um totally. and and you know with records i feel like you also want the records that you actually enjoy and you actually like right 
I mean, the other thing, and this is not, this is more of a personal approach is that I try, unless it's a band that I really love where they have a lot of kind of diversity album to album, I generally try to keep it to like a two album per band. Uh, oh, really? Kind of maximum. It really depends. There's some that I have broken that rule, but if there's a band that I say enjoy somewhat passively and I'm like, I want to own a record or two of theirs. I generally will pick up my two favorites because those are the ones that I know if I want to listen to that band, I gravitate towards. See, I'm more of a completionist where I'm just kind of like, oh, I mean, okay. I know it's, it's hard not to be, <laughs> trust me. But that's like, like, I like this band. I need all of them. Sure. Except, uh, you know, if there's the odd record where maybe there's a few skips on that album, then I'll be right. like, oh, well, that's where I'll kind of break my rule where I'm like, oh, okay, I'm a completionist. I need them all. Sure. But that one record I'm not the biggest fan of. So maybe we'll save the $40 and <laughs> not yeah, buy yeah. that I try, one. I definitely try to visualize it as if I'm going to put on this band, like what is the record that I'm most gravitating towards? So that's kind of like where I strike that balance of if somebody's hanging out or if I'm just putting on a record to listen to, like, and I want to listen to this band, what am I listening to? Especially... It, it can be interesting with bands where they do have a very diverse sound album to album because then I'm generally more encouraged to pick up all the records. Cause I'm well, like, like a title okay, fight, you know? You sure, might be yeah, in like a punkier example. mood and you want to go with their earlier stuff. You might be in a shoegazy mood, go with For their sure. newer stuff. And it's like, yeah, you know, how do you sort of pick just two albums? Yeah, that's that's that sweet spot where it's like each album has so much of a specific characteristic and a specific mood that you might be in when listening to it, that it's like almost worth having the discography because it spans so, so vast uh, in terms of genre. Favorite newer or up and coming artist right now? Uh, I've, I mean, I've definitely mentioned them before and I'm sure you've talked about them before, but arm's length, I really mm -hmm. love arm's length and both. I think that they put on a really good show, which is kind of, underrated in the sense of with social media it's like so many bands are more focused it feels on the like social media aspect and it's like the bands that really into lean into having a good live show i think are just so it's just so cool to see because that reminds me of going and seeing smaller bands play at a club show and just putting on the craziest show and it is so much more encouraging to check them out after the fact just because they put on such an incredible show um, yeah, yeah Arms Length are one of those bands that I hear mentioned a lot. I feel like they're gonna have. I feel like they had a really big 2023, and I think they're gonna have a bigger 2024. Um, yeah. I remember a couple years ago, a year or two ago, my brothers came over and they were like, "Hey, we went to this concert last night, and this band opened up, and they're like from here. Not like I'm from Toronto, uh, oh, and sure. Arms Length is from Ontario. They're a few hours away from Toronto." And yeah. so they do a lot of shows in the area and my brothers came home from a concert and they were like, Hey, we both went out. We saw this band and this band opened up arm's length and they were so good. They came home with these like uh teddy bear arm's length uh, merch. And uh, they're like, yeah, they have the best merch. There's only like seven people in the pit for them, but they were so good. And then, uh, you yeah. know, they're telling me about them. I'm checking them out. And they're just, they're one of those bands that just, from the moment of my brothers coming home being like we saw this band there were only seven people in the mosh pit but they were freaking amazing uh to i saw them a month or two ago sure. and uh, they opened up for real friends and knuckle puck and right. the crowd was going crazy for arm's length so they just really had that quick um 
that quick incline that uh, that really sort of blew them up and and I mean very well deserved. I'm really curious totally. to see what happens from them uh, this year. Yeah, the the live show is a lot of bands I think are starting to focus on it more now. But that's I mean it's so cool because that's I mean that's the foundation of what at least I most enjoy about emo music is going and seeing a band and seeing a performance that feels very heartfelt and genuine and then going and listening to the music after the fact and being like, wow, this is like, this is a genuine expression. Do you get goosebumps when you're seeing live, live music or like seeing a new, new band? Do you ever get the goosebumps or that tingly feeling? Yeah, I, I mean, I do. And I think that some of those are some of the most memorable shows. I, I mean, I don't want to take up too much of the podcast time, but one one that I actually got to relay to Free Throw when I had seen them recently was they played a show that was must have been to maybe 50 people or potentially even less um, sometime in 2017 or maybe 16. And it was like around the time that Barrier Mind had come out, but they were primarily playing uh, Those Days Are Gone songs still. And it was just probably the most energetic 50 person crowd for a band that I've ever seen. And so regardless of amount of people in the room or whatever, it was just such a memorable experience and such a great show. And just like, Oh, the crowd was stoked. And it's, those, those are always like the, the kind of memories that stick out the most over time. Free throw are definitely one of those bands where a hundred percent they're better live than they are on the record. And it's really hard for a lot of bands to sure. to be that way. But I remember going to see them as well and being like, I, they're one of those bands I got the goosebumps for too. And was right. like, Ooh, they are insane. Like you need to go and see them every time they come because totally. they're just so good live. And you feel that I always feel like the goosebumps and going to the shows. Like that's how, you know, when you go to a show, especially if it's an opening band and you sort of get those goosebumps or that tingly Absolutely. feeling, that's how you know that, a band is a good band and that they're going to go somewhere, especially if they're opening and they're not quite there yet. Yeah. That's it's, I, I can only imagine it to be the most daunting experience to open when you know that most of the crowd is there for whoever the headliner is and you have kind of nothing to lose. So seeing the bands actually go fully all out is always like very gratifying and just, it, it, it like really turns you into a fan. And I love when crowds actually show up for the opening bands as well. Um, oh. Like I remember going to see I, this past summer, I went to go see Alexis on fire and pup was one of the opening bands for them. Oh, That's amazing. And it was an incredible concert, but like the stadium was, it was stayed the amphitheater. Uh, I, I guess it was an amphitheater show. It wasn't like a general admission show, but half the people weren't even there for pup. And I'm like, come on people, what's oh, going yeah. on? You know? And they're a Toronto band too. It was like all Toronto bands on that yeah, show. A bummer. And I was like, I was really bummed out that there weren't that many people there for, for pup because pup are one of my, one of my favorite bands right now. Sure. So like anytime they come around, I'm, I'm going to see them. So uh, yeah, definitely go out and, and see the opening bands yeah, too. Canada <laughs> bands too. Shouts out to all these great Canada bands. Yeah. Canada I feel like Canada's always put out really good music, especially within like the the punk, pop punk, and emo world. Uh, 
I just feel like they need to get a little bit more more love or recognition for it. There's a lot of good bands coming out of Canada, especially right now. Especially right now. Um, so yeah, shout out to all of the Canadian bands. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me here today, Jonathan. Uh, I really appreciate it. I love your art. I've been messaging you for a couple of years, letting you know I love your art. So uh, it's Yo, been means a lot. It's been really cool having you on the on the podcast today. So thank you again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Our Space with Matt Batiste. If you enjoyed yourself, please support the show by subscribing and leaving a review.